I'm going to open us back up in prayer. I want us to just posture ourselves in a place of receiving. I really believe that the Lord has placed a word on my heart that is applicable to every person here. So, Lord, we ask that you take us into a place that is vulnerable and ready for you to do what you will. That we will have an encounter with your true love tonight, God. You say that when we behold you, we become like you. So God, as we look at you tonight, would you show us who we are? And the fact that we are pure in utter glory. That we've been freed from sin. And we carry a glory that is not fading. We carry a glory that goes from glory to glory to glory. So Lord, as we receive this word, would you break down our walls, Lord? Cleanse us. Thank you for soft hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight, I want to kind of go off of the subject of healthy family living in heavenly reality. This is something that Cole talked about a month ago. And there is one aspect that we've talked about that I really knew in my heart that I was probably going to teach on, and it's the area of personal thriving. And the fact that we desire to not only be a healthy family, but we desire for every single individual in this family to personally thrive and to encounter their true potential of the way that God created them to be so that they can like own the calling and anointing that God has on their life and walk in the fullness. We, wanna, we want every person to be whole and healthy, to not just be healed, but be whole, mind, body, and spirit. And so tonight, I want to hone in on this aspect of emotional health. We spent, you know, months on end talking about spiritual gifts and power and authority and the fact that Jesus handed us the keys to the kingdom and we can call down heaven. And that is vital for us as the bride. But if we don't have healed people, healing people, it's going to get messy really quick. If we're operating out of our wounds, it's going to get very dangerous. So tonight I'm coming to you from a very different perspective. Some of you guys have heard me, you know, talk to you about my personal story, and I will talk about my personal story. But I actually want to, um, for those of you who do know me or don't know me, I um, just got my master's in counseling and have spent um, the past year and a half to two years working with people. And I really, really desire tonight to kind of sit down and have, even though I'm standing, metaphorically, sit down and have a talk with my family of the kind of emotional health that we're called to. Does that sound good? So there's a common theme when meeting with people and also feedback. I'm cool with feedback. Also don't need it, but hey, let's make the atmosphere free. Sounds good? Okay. Um, so there's a common theme when I meet with people when I will sit them down and the majority of the time I will look at them and I'll be like, all right, before we start anything, I want to ask you a question. If there is one thing that you struggle with, 
that you would never have to struggle with again and you could completely get rid of, what would it be? And I've actually recognized a common theme within people where they're like, I don't want to hate myself anymore. And I was thinking, man, that's actually a thing. So many people live lives like they hate themselves. And if I were to ask you, do you hate yourself? You would say no. But I would suggest that a lot of times our actions are speaking louder than words. And so I want to talk to you guys about not only the importance of saying no to self-hate, but the importance of saying, I love myself and living like it. And I think that there's a lot of controversy with loving yourself because there's this tension because Jesus also says deny yourself. But how many of you guys know that it's really important that we get what Jesus is talking about? Because God actually says, he says that he knew your spirit before he even created the foundations of the earth. He knew your calling, he set you apart, and then he placed you in your mother's womb. God created you uniquely for the kingdom. And I don't think that Jesus is saying deny the whole being. He's saying deny the part of you that was inherited from the fall of man. Deny the part of you that is sin. Don't deny the whole being. Celebrate who God created you to be. It's so important. A year ago, I was going through this process with the Lord, and I had this revelation as I read. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. And for the first time, you know, normally I read that, my like, gosh, Lord, I need to love my neighbor more. I'm just so bad at this, and I need to love people better. And for the first time, I was like, he actually equates those in equality. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Those are inequality. It's so important. And I would actually suggest to you that the way that we love ourselves is going to overflow into the way that we love people, and that is going to be what sets the standard. If I love myself well, I'm going to love people well. So tonight, my first point is loving yourself is of equal importance as loving your neighbor. There's this tension, too, between, like, especially within the church, like, God, what is humility? We genuinely desire humility. That's so good. It's like, God, what is humility? What is false humility? What is pride? I want to know the real deal. And I would suggest to you that I believe loving yourself is probably the most humble approach you can take because loving yourself is loving God and God's creation. You are not your own. So now that you are not your own and you recognize that you are his, you can now love yourself because you are his. Loving yourself is loving God. Jeremiah 1.5, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. Ephesians 1.4, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. These two verses, I love it so much because, guys, there are so many people who have this big red flashing lie over the lies that says, mistake, mistake. My parents didn't plan me. My parents had me. They weren't married or I was adopted. I was rejected. Mistake. I shouldn't be alive. There's this big red flashing lie that I want to completely disarm. And those two verses shatter that lie into pieces because before he placed you in your mother's womb, he knew you and he set you apart. He called you. It is, you are not a mistake. Not one being on the planet is a mistake, no matter how evil that they are. That's huge. That will teach you to truly love your enemies because you start seeing through the eyes of Jesus. So I want to read this over you. 
We're going to have it on the screen if you want to look, but I really want to encourage you to just receive it. I want to read Psalm 139 over you. If you want to open your hands, maybe close your eyes, soak it in. Psalm 139, 13 through 19. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, God. They cannot even be numbered. I can't count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. How precious are your thoughts about me, God. You can open your eyes now. When I read that, I was like, that's not only David saying no to self-hate, but that is David loving himself and celebrating himself. I'm like, God's thoughts are precious about me. So many people would probably think I'm really proud and prideful. (laughs) Right? That's true humility. Thank you. So you're like, all right, I'm all about practical. This is all head, right? And, you know, in, with the involvement of the Holy Spirit, it goes to the heart, which is so good. But this is a lot of concept. There are so many people who I could tell them all day that hate themselves, and they're like, blah, 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 still hate myself, all right? What does it look like practically to love yourself? What does day-to-day look like? That's what I want to talk to you guys tonight about because I want to give you tools to live this out. It does no good if we just have a concept and we don't apply it to our lives, all right? So I'm like, God, what does it look like to love myself? And instantly I heard, well, love is patient, it's kind, doesn't keep records of wrongs. It believes all things, it hopes all things, and it bears all things. Can you imagine if we loved ourselves like that? We'd start a revolution because we would love ourselves with that standard, and then we would start loving people with that standard. It's crucial. Another version says, love never gives up, insert on yourself. Never loses faith for yourself. Is always hopeful for yourself and endures through every circumstance for yourself. Number one, we cannot do that apart from the help of the Holy Spirit. He is your advocate to lead you into learning how to truly love yourself. But number two, when I look at that, I'm like, that is not a feeling. So many people associate, today I'm going to love myself, and I'm going to lay in bed, I'm going to eat ice cream, and I'm going to follow my heart, living off emotions and cravings. Loving yourself is proactive. It's proactive. Today, I'm going to choose to be patient with myself. Today, no matter how much I messed up, I'm going to believe and hope for what God says about me, it's a choice. It's, it's fierce. It is not passive. Loving yourself is a daily proactive decision. It is not a feeling. Abby Sunwall, she's one of my favorite teachers. She talks a lot about her process of learning to love herself. She went through severe hate and continuous thoughts of like, I want to die. I want to die. And this girl is so powerful in the kingdom now and just shatters strongholds of self-hate. She's got an authority over her life because she's defeated it. And one thing that she talks about is conditionally and unconditionally loving yourself. 
conditionally says, if I mess up, if I fail, if I look like a fool, if I do something stupid, conditionally, loving myself says, I'm no longer going to be patient or kind or believe for myself. I'm no longer going to forgive myself. I'm going to hold a fence towards me. Unconditionally loving yourself says, no matter how much I love or I fail, I mess up, I look like a fool, I stumble over my words, I, you know, look dumb in front of this group of people, or I sin, no matter how stuck in sin I am, I get to every day tell myself what God says about me and choose to keep my love on towards myself. And in that, you guys, is where we gain the authority to defeat the spirit of performance. The pressure of performance. Striving is broken off. When we unconditionally love ourselves, there's no striving in that. It's like, I know who God says that I am. And that's what gives you the freedom and the authority to defeat it. One thing that Abby talks about too is connection and disconnection. Right? So pursuing connection with what's going on in your internal world. For me, some of you guys might have read my blog about it, but I wrote this blog called The Brutal Confessions of a Worship Leader. Um, Because when I was 19, number one, I didn't understand the concept that I'm not up here for myself. It is not even remotely about me. And if it is about me, I'm going to get crucified with lies, right? So I learned that the hard way and didn't understand that this is not about me. This is about the Lord. And I started leading worship, and the second that I walked off stage, I would go straight in my car, and I would wait for everyone to leave if I had to break something down. I didn't want to hear good or bad feedback because I could not handle it. I was so insecure about myself. And so then I would go to bed. I typically wouldn't even hang out with people after I led worship, and I would go to sleep, and I would be tormented with lies. You're a mess up. You're a fool. You, your voice cracked. You stumbled over your prayers. You messed up on that scripture. They're like, you don't know your word. This girl's not real. This girl's not authentic. The enemy tormented me. And then I'd wake up the next day and I would lay in bed the whole day watching Netflix if I had the time, if I was available to do that. I would completely choose disconnection with myself because I could not face the lies replaying things that happened up here where I'm like, I'm a fool, I'm a fool. And, you know, it got me thinking, there are a lot of people who choose disconnection with themselves for years. They don't want to replay the things that have done wrong to them. They don't want to replay those things in their head. They don't want to replay the, the ways that they have wronged others. They don't want to replay the, the things that they think about themselves that isn't true, the things that the enemy has told them about themselves. So they actually completely disconnect from their internal world. I was talking to a girl the other day, and I, you know, I used to like want to shake her and be like, come on, tell me what's going on inside of you. And I finally realized for the first time as she's fiddling and couldn't hold a conversation that she actually is completely disconnected from her internal world because of stuff that's happened in her past. So I'm like, God, what does connection look like? Just a practical suggestion. When you are getting tormented with lies or you are like, you're a fool, you messed up. When you you fail, you get to stop dead on and say, God, what are your precious thoughts about me? Give me just a practical tool. What are five precious thoughts that you have toward me right now? God, tell me five things that you, when I was up there leading worship, it's not about me. Tell me five things that you loved about this moment and how you got glory. Just 
pursuing connection, it's so practical. It's so in the mind. It's proactive in choosing to keep your love on towards yourself. Psalm 34, 5 through 6, those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed, and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. They will be radiant with joy. Pursue connection. Look to the Lord. I love, I had this um, revelation this week as I was looking at the word love. When Jesus says love your neighbor as yourself, it's actually agape love, which is the same word for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that love is sacrificial love, the kind of love that is not based on feelings or emotions. It's based on choices. It's based on sacrifice. If I were to agape love you, it's like, hey, I love you so much that I want the absolute best for you, even if it cost me. So agape loving myself is saying, hey, I want the absolute best for me, even if it cost me. That's loving yourself. But we associate it with follow your heart. Following your heart half the time is doing the very thing that's not loving yourself. Loving yourself is doing things sometimes that are hard. But you press in and you're like, I want to walk in the fullest potential that God has for me. So if that means giving up my comfort, I'm going to give up my comfort. That means turning away from this or that and choosing God. It's costly, but it's so worth it. That is true love for yourself. And if I'm going to want the absolute best for me, even if it costs me, that's going to require me to know myself. And this is where it gets pretty practical. Okay, there's this question within counseling of why do I do what I do? Why do I do what I do? And, you know, I think that a lot of people are like, I don't want to be introspective. I think there's a difference between being self-aware and introspective. If I'm self-aware, I can be aware of myself and still be outwardly focused as I'm having a conversation with you. Introspective, it kind of disconnects you from your whole outer world. There's a difference. This is teaching us to be self-aware. So I want to talk to you guys through five things. I'm sure there are so many more. And those pieces of paper, we're going to write on one front later, but the other front, I want, if the Holy Spirit brings things to mind as I'm talking about certain things, just jot down what he's saying. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you and guide you. He's the best counselor. He really is. And when we practice to start listening to the Holy Spirit, he will show you exactly why you do what you do and give you the keys to defeat the enemy. So for me, One of the main things that has completely taken me from being swarmed by the waves and feeling like I'm never going to get free to walking on water because I have the authority to defeat what the enemy has tried to do over my life is this. God showed me that the very thing that he has anointed is actually the very thing that the enemy is after in our lives. So for me, I've been very honest with you guys in I don't always self-disclose because sometimes we can compare like, oh, I don't struggle with that, so I'm better than that. It's like, no, we all struggle with things. But for the sake of this revelation, I'm going to self-disclose. In high school, I had a pretty bad eating disorder, and I dabbled in making myself throw up. 
And I also had a really bad acid reflux that was destroying my singing voice because I would binge eat all the time. And then I would starve myself. So I was damaging my throat very much from my eating disorder. Acid reflux, couldn't sing. And then in college, this stupid thing, don't ever do it, where people just sat around and smoked cigarettes. And I have an addicting personality, and so I'm the first person to get addicted. And so I go to God, and I'm like, God, I want freedom from all this stuff in my life. Like, you say that I'm the righteousness of Jesus, and I want my life to look like it. And the Lord's like, all right, ask me why you struggle with what you struggle with. I'm like, I've asked you that before. And he's like, no, but I have something to tell you. I call this healing through revelation. The Lord said, I have anointed your mouth. I have anointed that your mouth is meant to release healing upon people, to usher in my presence and bring the kingdom. And I've anointed your mouth. And that is what the enemy is trying to destroy. I heard this, this guy say one time, he's like, you could tell me in one minute what you're struggling with, and I'll tell you what you're called to and what you're anointed to. The enemy is after what you were created to do, guys. we got to get eyes to see. And now every time that I'm tempted, because I still choose daily to walk in righteousness. We all do. It's a choice. And every time I'm tempted, I get to laugh and say, God, thank you for the revelation of my true destiny. And I'm going to stomp upon the enemy and destroy the works of the devil because he gave me eyes to see into the spiritual realm. So I want to take a moment to reflect. If the Holy Spirit has brought anything to your mind and the very thing that God has anointed is the thing that the enemy is after, I want to take 30 minutes, or 30 minutes, 30 seconds to just jot down. I don't want to speed through this. I really want us to receive from this. So Holy Spirit, would you bring things to mind that you're saying about the way that the enemy has been after the thing that you have actually anointed? Right, we'll have more time to reflect once we go into worship. But another core area that I've seen so many people find true freedom and actually be, be able to live in righteousness is the area behind understanding that we have God-given basic needs that need to be met. You have a need for community. God created you to be a part of a puzzle, a piece of the puzzle within the bride. You have a deep need to belong. You have a deep need to be known. These are basic needs. You have a deep need for affection. God created you for intimacy, right? But a lot of people find out their needs. I think we all have basic needs. Every person has um, basic needs, and then we all each have unique individual needs, okay? So, um. Sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Okay, a lot of people find out their needs on the back end of things because they're not aware. And I really want to give you the tools to defeat the enemy once and for all. And so I'm going to give you an example. I was walking into Planet Fitness. For those of you who know Planet Fitness, they have pizza once a month on Monday nights. And I was walking in, and I was like, God, thank you that I ate because I would have destroyed some of that pizza. Um, 
And here's the thing. I was thinking, how many people walk into that gym not aware that they haven't eaten all day? They have no clue what's going on in their internal world. And they walk in, and they're there to work out. They're pumped. They're ready. They see the pizza. They don't even think twice about it. Go eat the pizza. And then they're like, what did I just do? That's a really big example for a lot of areas that we do that in our lives. We put ourselves in scenarios You know, someone can hate themselves and have so much shame. They're like, I keep being promiscuous. And it's like, well, you actually have a God-given need for intimacy and affection. And so turning our back from the way that the enemies told you to get it, looking at the Lord and saying, God, thank you for intimacy. Thank you that you created me for purity. And thank you for the way that you created it, the way that you created marriage and how I can get those needs met. And we celebrate those needs as opposed to condemning them. There's so much condemnation in the things that we're desiring that it's like, no, how about we just find out the God-given need and turn our back from the way that the enemies told you to receive it. Within counseling, this is a big thing. We, we talk about you were created to be a powerful person. God did not give you a spirit of fear. He gave you one of power, love, and a sound mind. Okay, so a lot of the things that we do, specifically even pornography, not saying it, Not saying I do that. That just got awkward. A lot of things that we do in counseling, specifically even with pornography, is we get to the root of the issue. And a lot of guys are like, you know, I have a wife. I don't think that my need is lust. I don't know what my need is. Why keep going back to this? And a lot of times they actually get to the root of everything else in their life is out of control. They feel like a powerless person. And when they go into this secret place, this is the one thing where they get their power back. They get their control back. That's the same thing with eating disorders. It's like when I was sitting in counseling, the counselor was like, it sounds like your parents' house is a really big trigger for you. I'm like, hmm, yeah, I don't really binge eat other than being at my parents' house. And I realized that my whole life I felt like a powerless person because my mom controlled what I ate. And for me, the second that they would leave the house, I would go get that need for power met by doing the very opposite thing that they wanted. It was an issue of power. And when I recognized, wait a minute, my issue isn't with food. I have total freedom from that. My issue is not with food, it's with power. All right, God, how do I get my need for power and control? How do I become a powerful person in the way that you created me to be? Find out your needs and celebrate them of what God created you to to get them met through. Celebrate them. So let's reflect on that for 30 seconds. Holy Spirit, what are you saying about needs? there's anything that he's brought to mind, just jot it down. practical tool in regards to getting your needs met and knowing yourself is I I've heard it called as the check the weather you wake up you look at the weather app you're like what can I wear today can I go outside today can I ride my bike today and instead of checking the weather though you can do that how about you go before the Lord David says search me and know me God 
know any way in me that is not of you. Reveal that to me. And we call it a check the weather. You wake up and you're like, hello, self. Holy Spirit. Hello, Holy Spirit. Can't really separate the two. Everything's spiritual to me. Do I feel known today? Do I feel heard? Do I have a need? What are my needs? What am I craving? What are my dreams? What are my desires? It is so important that we become aware of that so we learn how to live healthy lives. That's just a practical tool. For me, I didn't even realize that I was doing it, but it happened through my quiet time. Wake up every day and I attune with the Lord and ultimately I attune with myself. So another area, which is pretty self-explanatory, know your triggers. We're all in a process. I think some people in this room are very much still in a process of being healed, which that's okay. The Lord's not afraid of your process. Just keep letting him in on it. Keep inviting him into the scenario and letting yourself encounter what he has to say about you. But if you have an area that is not healed, you need to know your trigger. For me, it was like, I'm not healed right now, so I'm not going to walk into a buffet. I'm just not going to do it. Probably going to eat everything in sight. You know, someone who just went through a breakup, don't go like check yourself on online dating right after. You might need some time to heal. heal. And that's, I can't tell you, I hate self-help messages where you should do and don't do this. The Holy Spirit will lead you through that. But know your triggers. So, Lord, would you show us, are there any triggers within us that we need to set up boundaries until we're healed? What are you saying about triggers? Another aspect that we can learn to love instead of condemn, our personality. God gave you personalities, I've said this, but you are a piece of a puzzle. And this part fits here and this part fits here. And it's really important that we're not trying to be like everyone else. So for me, actually Whitney knows this and a few other people, I used to absolutely hate my impulsive nature. I wouldn't call it impulsive anymore, though. I would call it black or white. I'm a go-getter. When I hear something, I'm like, let's go. I don't even, like, think or pray. and just, let's go. And I used to, it would get my, me into trouble. And I went through a time where I was like, I need to get delivered. I was fully convinced of it. And sure, I probably need to get delivered, needed to get delivered of a lot of things. But the Lord one day was like, Janae, instead of asking me to deliver you of your impulsive nature, ask me why you have a certain trait like that in its purest form. I, don't, I wouldn't call it impulsive, but my ability to make a quick decision. If you look at Abraham, God said, pick up your things and go. I'm not telling you where. The Lord was like, Janae, if I told you to pick up your things in the middle of the night and just go, you'd probably be the first person to do it. I can use that in the kingdom. I gave you that. And the person who actually puts a lot of thought and a lot of prayer and is slow to make a decision, that's important too. You have to find out your personality of how you fit in a puzzle. I look at Cole. For those of you who know Cole, he's a very unique and distinct personality. Sometimes misunderstood. And he gave me permission to use him as an example. Thank you very much. Sometimes very much misunderstood. 
Because Cole, he's just unique. But I would suggest to you that a lot of people are meant to be that unique. A lot of people are meant to be world changers. Cole is doing a lot for our city and a lot for this church because he is owning the way that God created him. And he's not walking around with his head down saying, why am I misunderstood? Why do people not get me? Why am I not like everyone else? Instead, he's celebrating, no, this is how God made me and this is what I'm gonna do even if I'm misunderstood. Celebrate, find out your personality and celebrate it. We're so busy trying to be like everyone else that we get lost. There's no distinctness. One thing, too, even like Lander, I'm using, he didn't give me permission, but Lander has a high sensitivity, almost to the point that people could probably be like, stop being so sensitive. But gosh, there's an anointing on Lander to release stuff. Specifically, you know, even like, his words have divine revelation where they break down stony hearts. There's a sensitivity on him that isn't necessarily like every other person. But Lander owns that instead of walking around with his head down saying, stop being so sensitive. Find out who you are and celebrate it. This is my, oh, reflection. 30 seconds. Holy Spirit, we ask that you, sorry, we ask that you reveal personality. What are things that we have actually condemned in ourselves or tried to change that are God-given? Show us what they are in its purest form. The last area has been pretty big for me. It's the idea of self-care. And, you know, you see a lot of revivalists and you see um, a lot of people walking in power and authority that started out good and they hit a crash. Some of them step into moral failure. There's all these things. And when you look at their life, it's, it's heartbreaking because you're just like, God, they just didn't know how to take care of themselves. God wants you to know how to take care of yourself. And for me, I heard this, and this really helped me understand some things. The kingdom of God is one of work, rest, and play. How do you work? If you take that out of proportion, you become a workaholic. How do you rest? If you take that out of proportion, it becomes lazy. How do you play? If you take that out of proportion, it becomes irresponsible. But all are meant to be a part of your life in the balance that God created. I remember um, last year I would sit in counseling sessions and one of the biggest revelations that I got with these kids, these 17-year-old boys who were like, miss, I just can't stop going to drugs. And when you sit down and you talk to them about their life, it's like, so tell me what you you do for fun. And they're like, nothing, miss, get high. Okay, tell me what you did for fun before you used to get high. Nothing, miss. Like, no wonder you're depressed. Number one, they don't have God. But number two, they don't know how to be a kid. They don't know themselves. They don't know what they like or what they dislike. For me, this person that said the kingdom of God is one of work, rest, and play, she posed this question. What do you do for you and no one else? 
that doesn't necessarily have to have spiritual significance. Though for me, everywhere I go and everything I do, I'm constantly talking to God. But when I get on my bike, I am not intentionally getting on my bike to encounter God, though I do. I'm getting on my bike because I become like a little kid. For some reason, it just slows things down and I feel like I'm playing. For Lander, the other week, we rented a BMW and we went driving. We are like, thank you, God, that you are okay with us just, like, enjoying pleasure sometimes. But it doesn't, it's not meant to get out of proportion. And rest and play get very mixed up. Resting is very different. How do you rest? How do you play? So Holy Spirit, bring any words that you come to mind. What are you saying about this, Lord? Guys, when we learn to celebrate our whole being, how God intricately made you, it frees you from insecurity, comparison, competition, jealousy. And now that I can celebrate myself, I now can celebrate you. And I can actually be your biggest fan because I love me and I love you. Our last point is loving yourself frees you into purely loving others. There's no more competition. When you understand that, okay, I'm the hand, you are the foot. The foot's not trying to be the hand. That'd get real awkward real quick. The foot trying to be the hand. Can you imagine that? I don't know. It's like own your role. Let the Lord show you who you are and stop trying to be like everyone else and then celebrate everyone else. I can celebrate your success. I don't have to be threatened by your success because I know what God says about my success. I know what he says about me. It breaks off insecurity once and for all. My favorite story, which um, John 3, if you want to write this down, one of my favorite stories is when John the Baptist's disciples, they go to John the Baptist and they're like, hey, that guy that you pointed out that's the Messiah, he's actually baptizing people and all these people are following him now. His disciples were actually trying to make John the Baptist get threatened And John the Baptist looks at them and he's like, no, 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 this man's from God. And it is my joy to celebrate his success. It is my joy to celebrate your success when I know what God says about my success. Can you imagine if John the Baptist actually got threatened and tried to start being Jesus? That gets real messy real quick. And he would have sabotaged so much of what God wanted to use him for. God wants to free us from competition and jealousy and comparison. A lot of times I, just, I see this when you walk in the churches. It's not just here. It's, it's everywhere. People who are new, they walk in their tents and they're like, is anybody going to notice me? Is anybody going to pursue me? Am I going to feel known? And it's like, man, when I recognize that I have something to offer and so do you, and it's very different. I don't have to be insecure about it anymore. I can, when I first moved here, I was 19 and I I didn't know a ton of people. And I was just like, what's going on tonight? And I would contact people on Facebook. I'd be like, oh, this person's having a birthday party. They don't even know me. I'm like, hey, can I come? I recognize that I, it sounds prideful, but I'm awesome. And so are you. 
Let's own it. I'm so sick of the enemy telling you to walk in shame, keep your head down, and hate things about yourself. If we walk as a confident son and daughter of the Most High God, we will start to to truly walk in the, the potential of what God has for the bride. Even Powerhouse being here, I really feel like that this is such a prophetic picture because when City Beautiful celebrates their role in Orlando, we can be free from competition and comparison from every other church. And we can celebrate that they're sitting here on the front row and we can go to their church and celebrate what God's doing. We're like, come on. It's not just one church, what God's going to do in Orlando. It's a whole, there's pieces of a puzzle. It's a much bigger picture. It's so prophetic that they're here. We can sell it. We can be their biggest fan. Have you guys heard of Powerhouse Church? You should totally. There's really cool things happening. We don't have to just talk about City Beautiful. We want to talk about the whole, what God is doing in Orlando. So I want to lead us into two more questions as we go into worship, as we kind of hone in. What aspect have I condemned in myself that could actually be God-given? On the top of that circle, on the other side, if you want to write whatever the Holy Spirit is showing you. Lord, show us how to celebrate who you created us to be. And the question on the bottom we'll keep reflecting during worship is what is the pure form of this aspect? So what aspect have I condemned in myself that could actually be God-given? And then what is the pure form of this aspect? What does this look like in the kingdom? How is that meant to be the very thing that's to destroy the works of the devil, not make you come under the works of the devil? Lord, I ask that you show us how to get our needs met in a healthy way. Scripture, Jesus says, I didn't come for those who think that they are righteous. I came for those who know that they need a doctor. And there's something to be said about getting on our knees and saying, God, I have a need. And repenting, repenting, I'm so sorry for getting that met in an unhealthy way. But Lord, lead us into compassion over ourselves of recognizing that the original thing of what we're seeking is God-given. So God, show us how to get that met in purity, in righteousness, how to be whole. Some of us need to forgive ourselves and choose connection. To choose to go back into those memories and declare that no matter how much you mess up, or look like a fool, or whatever you've done. Scripture says that Jesus died for you while you were still a sinner, while you were still messed up, broken, had nothing together. Jesus died for you still in that, and he showed you unconditional love, and now you can show unconditional love to yourself through the power of the Holy Spirit. None of this can be done without the Holy Spirit. So wonderful counselor, lead us into wholeness. 
We want to live in righteousness. We want to be free. We want to know ourselves so we can experience the full potential of what you have for us.